Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. Today on the show, we have with us Greg Medland. Greg is an uh, IT recruiter who has been active uh, for several years in Belgium and the Netherlands, who is currently active uh, in the United States markets. Uh, did I get that wrong, Greg? No, no, that's correct. That's correct. Yes, perfect. Okay. So um, the, the topic of IT recruiters is um, one could say uh, a hotly debated one within uh, IT circles. Um, but uh, with Greg, we know we have a, um, uh, a very talented and passionate recruiter with us. So uh, we look forward to hearing everything from your side of the fence then. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the job you do. Yeah, so um, so yeah, I've been working since university. My only sort of professional experience has been in the recruitment world. Um, so as uh, as you mentioned, they're all starting off in uh, in the Benelux region, uh, mainly of Belgium, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, um, for a UK-based company, and then um, doing that for a number of years before moving over, um, sticking with IT and software development, and moving over to the states um, mm -hmm. for the past year or so. Um, so it's been quite a transition and when I was working in the Benelux I mainly focused on the sort of freelance market um, which obviously you guys know very well um, however now I'm more on the permanent side of things in the US just given the sort of market nature of things um, but yeah that's pretty much it and, and a question uh, how is the uh, the US market because in my eyes um, the recording business uh, back in the day and back in the day means um, let's say 15 to 20 years ago it did not resemble to me like it is today in Europe. And I didn't know if it was just the, the mental or the, the, the structure of the US versus Europe, or is just times have changed uh, on me and I didn't ever notice them. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the structure of the labor market in the US is completely different to that in uh, in, in Europe, in the, in, in the US, even the uh, CTO, who's a manager of a, uh, a company can be at a company for 10 years and he's still got a two week notice period and he can up and leave in two weeks on a permanent basis. So over there, their permanent guys act as in contractors. They're pretty, they might move every 12 to 14 months. They are, you know, moving very regularly compared to contractors in Belgium on the other hand, stay for five, 10 years, you know, as, uh, as, as, as I knew guys who were contracting for 15 years back, uh, back when I was, I was working in Belgium. Um, but the US is, 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 they're not really too bothered whether they work on the sort of contract or the permanent side of things because they're pretty free to do as they like either way, really. Um, it's just whether or not they get the medical benefits is, is the main thing with them. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. Oh, okay. That's the two weeks notice thing that we hear about. Like, I, you know, I've never worked in the US, but you know, from movies, you know, I always hear about these two weeks notice thing. But um, maybe a similar question on a different scale is, most of your experience has been um, in, in Europe, right? So you're, you made the switch to the US uh, more recently. But in those years that you've worked yeah. in, in, in Europe, did you see a difference between, let's say, the, the, the Dutch market versus the Flemish market versus the Belgian market, the, the UK market? Is there a cultural difference there as well? Yeah, massively, I think. I think um, 
the, the 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 Dutch market is still more geared to the permanent side of things, in my opinion. I think um, it, it's very expensive for them to contract effectively. You know, with the tax situation, obviously in the Netherlands, I know it's quite similar to Belgium, but the Belgians are much more open to contracting, in my experience. Um, I would say that a lot of the the, the, the Dutch companies try and offer a lot of big benefits packages, etc. To to attract people on a salary basis, um, and there's also a big push in the Netherlands for like relocation. So they, they bring in a lot of guys from the EU, um, and that's something that's quite heavily pushed. Whereas in Belgium, a lot of the times they're quite particular whether they want a French speaker or a Dutch speaker, um, and that sort of limits them to to, to what's already in Belgium. Um, so I think I think yeah, it's it's there are definitely nuances between the two, um, even though they're so closely located and, and, and seemingly similar from the outside. Mm-hmm. So um, do you think that, you know, you said relocation, that's why I'm uh, asking this question. We, we've, been, we've, we've been living with this pandemic for a year and work from home uh, has become the norm right now. Um, we don't know what it'll do once the pandemic has blown over, once vaccination has been, have been rolled out properly. But um, do you see an effect of this on on the market at all? In my experience with um, Belgium and the Netherlands, remote working is very hard to to, um, to to negotiate. I mean, that might just be from a recruiter's perspective, but I think, um, especially compared to perhaps the UK and the US, um, I would say the Netherlands and Belgium are quite insistent on on site work still um which is which is yeah i think uh, it's it's maybe i don't know a cultural thing or maybe because you know in belgium guys were used to traveling two hours and being in traffic all day you know that wouldn't really happen in a lot of places people don't like to do that but you get guys who would travel to brussels every day and it would be a nightmare but i think it's a bit more accepted that people will spend their time doing that for for for, for the job um Whereas in other countries, like like I said, the US, the UK, I think people are a lot more resistant to that now, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Greg, I also, you know, I, I like the fact that we're talking about these, um, uh, these superficial topics, okay? But I want to go to the core of this, okay? Um, so I'm going to come with different types of questions. Uh, first of all, you briefly said, you know, out of, out of university, I got into recruiting. So why did you end up in recruiting? Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, I studied economics at, uh, university of Liverpool, um, obviously came into my sort of second and, and final years and. Um, had always sort of probably envisaged working in a, in a grad scheme, perhaps on you know for like one of the big five accounting companies or, or in a bank or something like this. Um, that was always sort of what I, I envisaged to do, and it just sort of seemed the normal sort of traje- trajectory following uh, university that I would follow, really. Um, but I think I came to a realization probably towards the, my final year, and that you know if I did that, I'd be sort of climbing a, a wheel where you know. My, my expertise were not that in demand. Uh, as an economist, I was looking at the, the market and thinking, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of guys coming out of university from a, a decent university with um, a degree in this area. 
Um, how am I going to be a bit more in control of my progress in the next sort of 10 years until I'm, you know, uh, 30, 35? How am I going to make sure that I'm, you know, financially stable? How am I going to make sure that I'm, you know, feeling successful and happy with my progress? And I think that sort of led me to wanting and craving a bit of autonomy and a bit of um, a bit of a side to show off, a bit of entrepreneurial sort of spirit and, and that side of things, which without having a, a genius brainwave, I knew I couldn't implement, um, you know, externally on my own. Um, and that sort of just led me to recruitment, really, just with the sort of, um, it's it's one of those industries, you, you, you get out what you put in. Um, if you're prepared to, to work harder than the guys sat next to you or, 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 or work smarter, you would reap the benefits from that. And um, I think that sort of pushed me into it. And, you know, potentially when I, when I actually started, I didn't really know too much what I was getting myself into um, uh, to, 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 to a massive extent, but within sort of six months to a year I was pretty certain that it was a good move for me it embodied a lot of the different aspects I like of negotiation of sales you know of, uh, of even speaking to people every day um, uh, and, and, and it was yeah I, after that point I didn't really I've not really looked back and I've never really looked at another industry since I've I've been in it mm -hmm. so uh, did you how did you stumble upon recruiting then were you you know sorry the sorry for the pun but were you recruited by somebody who came to you like hey greg did you consider <laughs> becoming a recruiter uh because you did tell me that recruiting is a business that's really booming in the uk um so if you could tell me more about mm. that as well but um or was it something like a deliberate choice where you said i'm looking for uh, a niche or an industry that ticks off these boxes that you mentioned earlier like where you could have your autonomy where you could have this uh, independence or where uh, there's still that of the, the sense of meritocracy that I can work harder and therefore I can uh, earn more or climb higher yeah I mean I think to put it bluntly I was just on my university job board and every role was saying um, I don't know something like 20 to 25,000 graduate salary um, and the um, the, the, the recruitment one for, 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 for my old company had uh, a sort of open-ended bracket <laughs> for, for mm. saying sort of first year you can you can earn between sort of uh, 18 to 250 or whatever yeah and obviously being being of my mindset my eyes jumped out straight away didn't read too much into it and went okay let's see what this is about yeah. um and that's 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 been brutal uh, okay but i couldn't blame um, you and, and, but when i when i see that so you have these big institutional um you know financial institutions or whatever you, you know you, you mentioned bank mm. accounting firms you have these uh these mm. behemoths and they're saying okay this is the bracket we're willing to pay and then you're talking about you know uh, here's a recruitment company you just say yeah the, the sky's the limit this seems to me like recruiting is a is a lucrative industry then or am i misreading yeah. it no, one hundred percent. It is if 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 you can if you can do your job well over a sustained period of time. That the problem I think with the recruitment is there's a lot of attrition. There's a lot of people who go into it probably quite blindly, like myself, but don't hit it off with it. And you get quite a, a, a lot of people coming in and out of it. And it's not it's not something no one's gone to university to be a recruiter mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. gone straight into it. And, and they're not going to stick with it for more than a year if they if they know it's not for them. So you get a lot of that, I think, in the in, in, in the early years. But I think, on average, yeah, I would say it's quite a well-paying profession for those who can who can be, be successful. Yeah, and you did mention um, uh, that there are over 40,000 recruitment agencies in the UK, yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, it'd be even higher than that, I think, at the moment. But yeah, over forty thousand. Wow. Which, which, which is 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 absolutely um, crazy. I think yeah, recruitment is a UK invention. It's it's a, a British invention. You started from like the Industrial Revolution and and and, and from finding specialized skills and, and that sort of thing. Um, but when they didn't have them in the local village, they needed to look elsewhere. And so it's a it really is a British a British export really I think, and that's why. Um, it's 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 grown from that. I think there was a, up until a few years ago, there's probably a similar amount of, for example, um, UK recruitment companies as there were sort of US recruitment companies up until only a few years ago. And when you think about the size of the US labor market, particularly in like software, that's crazy because for every you know every one software developer in the UK, there's you know 0.5 recruitment mm-hmm. agencies, or for every and then over in the in the US, there might be you know. For every one recruitment company, there's twenty or thirty sort of developers. Oh, okay. Um, just you know, you know, in terms of the ratios, there's a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's that's potentially why the US is, is is a more attractive market at the moment for recruitment. Um, obviously, because the the UK is is seemingly so so swamped, I think, and, and, and in my in my opinion, saturated with, with recruitment agencies. I think I think what you describe is is um, is not um, unique uh, to um, when I think of it now not unique to recruitment i mean i can think of uh, for example first thing that came to my head was real estate right a lot of people jump to it so there's a lot of real estate agents let's say not all end up mm-hmm. doing that for life right some of them realize at first well it's not for them but you do find someone that some someone that simply do a couple of good deals and they think oh i'm good you know this is this is it for me and mm-hmm. uh, you know and and then it's still you know, but the long term, you know, they, they don't, they don't. Let's say they don't make it, or they simply it's not for them. Um, so it makes sense now because it was also something that I. Well, my, my my question earlier, it's really answered actually. Like every day, almost like every day, I would get, for example, an invitation from um, uh, on LinkedIn for uh, a recruiter to connect. Right, at least you can say on average. Uh, so that's a large number. That's a really big number. And, and for me, that's fine, right? I mean, it's not like, um, I think networking is always good. So to me, I don't have an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, although to some people, some people think differently, um, but uh, to me, it's not an issue. But this kind of explains why there's this large number of, of, um, um, of people on the other side, right? On, on, on the recorder side. Um, uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, Med, yeah. can I add to that something and maybe add a question on top of that? So um, Greg, you said uh, there's a lot of attrition, uh, which means a lot of mm. people join with the and they step into the industry thinking, I'm going to be so rich, I'm going to get loaded because it's a lucrative uh, industry. Hmm? You see this also from the, mm. the number of agencies that are forming. But then, like Med says as well, you know, you're being contacted by a lot of different people. But at the same time, I think many of the people that actually contact you um, once might step out of the game in two months. So. A lot of the recruiters have very brief stints in the industry, um, despite the fact it's a lucrative business. So does that mean that this is a very difficult business to stay in? Or is it difficult to be a good recruiter? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I, I think it's honestly one of that, that I've seen people from graduates from Oxbridge. I've seen graduates from, you know, uh, people with like, uh, you know, very, very poor universities. I don't think that often gives a good background. It's Honestly, a lot of the characteristics in, in being a good recruiter are the sort of softer side of things. It's that you know ability to, to bounce back and 
and the ability to to, to be tenacious and and to, to not give up really and not take things not take your losses too hard. I think that's that's sort of the main thing. But it is a, certainly a brutal industry, and obviously the problem is with recruitment firms, like in any sales position, until you're successful, you're not, you, you know where most of your money is is commission based, etc. You're not making any money um, because the salaries are, are, are not as you know lucrative as they would be in in, for instance, one of the the big banks or on a management scheme somewhere. Um, so I think that's that's something to bear in mind as well. So if you're not good, they're very good. You've got little incentive to sort of stay really. I think in the in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that uh, many people don't appreciate because what I did was um, I went around and, and talked to some. Um, um, software developers whether they're freelancers or on payroll ask them some questions you know we're getting a um a very um experienced and, and talented um recruiter on the show do you have any questions for greg and um they did and you know like you and i we we discussed this before we said you know, we, we we feel that there is a lot of resentment or negative sentiments in the industry and we'd like to you know, also discuss this, like why does this sentiment exist? So um, one of the uh, the things that came up is that people feel um, uh, that the recruiters, you know, this is what the developers are, are telling me, okay? They say re- recruiters make a, a lot of money without a lot of skills and they're basically making it off of our backs and we don't think that's fair. Like if you if you hear what okay. you just explained to me, I think first of all that yeah. perception is wrong. But why do you think that perception is there? Why do people think it is this way? I, I think I think because in 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 recruitment terms, because it's if if you look at, I mean for for example, it's it's quite a crude example. But if you if you went into Mercedes and you asked, you know, how much does it cost you to make this car in front of me? They're not gonna. It doesn't matter what they tell you. You know, they could say it costs it costs us from the factory eight thousand euros or whatever, but we're charging thirty thousand euros, right? Now, I think obviously when it's when it comes to, for instance, like a daily rate or like a, a recruitment fee, people, um, you know, become a, a a bit more a bit more sensitive to to this sort of thing because at the end of the day, it's people we're working with. Um, but in, in in my, I mean. I can understand. I can. I can. I can certainly understand the the resentment. I mean, from 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 one aspect. But if you look at the the work that goes in behind the scenes that people are not aware of, the work that people, uh, the agents and, and recruiters are doing before um, an opportunity comes up, you know, to, to to get one one client on board, I might have been trying to contact the same client for two years um, to try and um, to try to try and you know break into them and work with them and and, and bring them expertise and then. You know, for me to, to, to contact someone about the opportunity in in a developer's head, perhaps they think that that position's just been emailed to me, and I'm just emailing it to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not. No, I'm, I'm certainly that. that I'm, I'm very certain that people think of it that way because I'm I'm paraphrasing yeah. because I'm translating from Dutch here. But um, uh, one of these people who's a who's a senior developer, um, he said. Um, they have no skills and are just profiting from the money in this industry. With relatively little skills, they can make good money. Which you know, he says it's unfair because okay. you know we do all the work, and because with the with the contracting fees, you know, you have a finder's fee, but there's also like a a, a rate fee. So, and uh, mm. so the 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 thing I want to address is, I don't think 
you can have no skills and make money in in the recruiting industry. I don't think that's possible. Can I, yeah, I mean, can I just go go onto that that point straight away? I mean, the recruitment market in the UK alone is worth something like forty eight billion pounds. That's that's not happening for people with no skills. Forty eight billion pound industry or fifty million. 50 billion plus industry is not from an industry with no skills. Um, I think a lot of it is just understanding where, where those skills are actually useful. I think, you know, there's obviously a hell of a lot of um, asymmetric information in the market, uh, imperfect information in the labor market. You know, you've got to think if every developer in, in, in Belgium knew about every single software company and what they do, then everyone will be happy because people will be jumping to the jobs they want to do at that time. They'll be jumping to the technologies they want to do at that time. They'll be jumping to the local companies they want to do at that time. Unfortunately, that doesn't exist right now. So who does the hard yards and puts the pieces of the puzzle together? Who's the person who's calling companies who, you know, he finds out from a developer that he's got a kid at nursery down uh, 10 minutes down the road. And then he finds out there's also a startup there who've just started using his technology. Who's the one who then pitches them for constantly, sends them follow-up emails, gets them on the phone, has a Skype meeting with them, pitches their recruitment services, does all that to then come to the guy and go, hey, look, you know you're not, your daughter, your daughter goes to nursery down there. How would you like to work with your software for a startup where you can grow and get a team lead position? Um, and you've matched them up perfectly. And sometimes it works. Sometimes they might say, you know what, Greg, actually, I'm not that happy. I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. No, thank you. And then it's okay, on to the next one. So we've got loads of those plates spinning at any one time. I think that a lot of it is just understanding from 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 a developer's point of view the work that goes in in the background, mm -hmm. um, because a, a good agent will do that due diligence, will do that hard work to make make a good placement. It's not a case of trying to fit square pegs in round holes every time. You know, we're not. Mm -hmm. This seems well, to be like. Yeah. Oh yeah, please go ahead, Matt. Yeah, please. I do want to. I do want to. I do want to highlight um, something. It's it's not. Well, it's related, you know. Uh, you find, you find sometimes these um, these large um, recruitment companies, what I would call them, huge contractors, that would have, for example, the exclusivity uh, of a certain, let's say, the European Union. So you cannot mm. contract with the European Union except if you go through this one or two or three, and these companies tend to be very, um, how do I put it, very harsh with their contract very one-sided and and not fair and in this case i can understand i can relate to the, the the one doing the job that they feel like there's some unfairness going on here right so mm. that's i put those in the separate category i do want to mention them because that's, i see them the same way in my own eyes now maybe i'm missing something for this for this large companies but again any large company that's based on for profits it can tend to become a bit um, uh, take on the monopolistic um, um, uh, properties. Now, yeah. now for, for people to for for you now the average you know the average uh, somebody contracting to do some work for a company uh, when you have uh, this recruiter who's offering you uh, 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 their services, um, I think what people forget is the value they are getting, and that's what they don't see. And I think if you look at it from the in a, in a, in a business sort of way, um, it's almost as if um, uh, this person not simply gonna almost like your agent, right? So they're gonna represent you. Uh, they're gonna first uh, make sure that you have a good match. They can do uh, follow-ups even for the next the next the next uh, mission, for example. Um, so they can do a lot of homework for you, 
And if this person was not there, could you do it yourself? Well, you probably would have to hire somebody. No, you could do it to yourself. Like you could also <laughs> just uh, repair your own car, right? But exactly. You know, uh, exactly. There's, it's a special, you need to be, you know, if you want to do a really good job of it or you don't want to waste time on it, you get a specialist to do it. So it, it look, I don't want to, I don't want to sound harsh to these people, but this is really like small thinking compared to big thinking, you know, focus on what you know how to do and let someone else do the rest. And this is how the, the world runs, you know, like you said, you're fixing your own car, right? I'm not going to dive into something. Oh yeah, I can see it on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Fix my own. Car. Well, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I may be misrepresenting what they're saying. Um, so, um, I'm trying to be as objective as possible, okay? So it's not like they're being uh, uh, s uh, small-minded about it. I think it's a matter of principle where they're saying, why can't you just take a finder's fee and be gone? Why do? You, why must you take, like, uh, a lot of um, companies are trying to get, like, a percentage on, on the deal. Um, multiple people said, please, I want an answer on this question. Why can't you just take uh, take a finder's fee and disappear? For and I think what they they feel like in principle, like they're doing the hard work because they don't know um, what Greg or you know uh, the recruiters are doing. They they like you say, Greg. They they think you're just sending off an email, but there's a reason why people think that. We'll come back to that one later. Uh, but uh, okay, I'm asking the question though. So wh what's with the uh, finder's fee versus uh, the contracting uh, fee? Okay, so I think I think a lot of the time with um, with a with, with, with a finance fee or with a, a a daily rate, I think companies will often want to spread the the cost of their recruitment along a longer period of time. That's one reason. If you've got startup, they would rather have the low risk because they can see how a contractor does within the first six months, and they can spread the cost of what would be a finance fee um, all the way across that. You know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's often one way. So sometimes clients will will push that. I think for um, for uh, 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 in terms of why an IT recruiter would push that. I mean, obviously it builds a connection between you and 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 the candidate. You know, and you and the company because you're you're sort of in the in the mix somewhere. So you know, for for your own selfish benefits, probably you can keep in touch with the hiring manager easier. You can keep in touch with the candidate easier. So you know more about what's going on there, um, and I think that, I think sometimes if if you think about what the big sort of consulting companies in in, the, in Belgium do with putting people on salaries, then charging day rates at hundred percent margin and that sort of thing, it's it's not too much when when people are just adding you know a, a, a relatively small margin on top of of what's going on. I think uh, the way a recruiter would probably argue that is look if you're a developer. And you tell me what what money you want in your bank uh, every month. You tell me what, what you want to take home on a day rate, um, and that's your bottom line or wh whatever your your target is. If I can get you that figure, why do you care? Exactly. Is it maybe something like a disappointment where they where they think like, because, oh man, I could have asked for more. Well, but you didn't yeah. say you wanted more, right? Like every time you say X. The recruiter can say X plus, you know, Y, and and that's it. That the Y yeah. is is their share. But you you agreed with this, like you can't be, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you said, I want the X, and, and now you want the Y too. So who's gonna pay the recruiter? And just to, just to follow up, exactly, just to follow up on that, you know, the amount of times I've had candidates who have say three interviews, two of them they found themselves, and one of them they found through myself. And obviously, my one has my margin on top of it. 
the amount of times that they they still take my one because the day rate is higher because I've done the job of selling their their profile, mm-hmm. selling their expertise to the manager beforehand, and that manager is bought into them thinking I need this guy, he's going to solve all my problems, etc. And you know, <laughs> in the other two interviews, they, they they weren't as convinced. They're getting more money, but you know, why would you care what the margin is? You're you're doing a better job because I think one of the the biggest problem of people in our industry, Matt, correct me, you know, if you think this is a wrong statement, but. Um, Compared to the general population, the people who work in the IT industry are less likely to be good salespeople. That means they'd be they'd have a harder time of selling themselves for a higher rate than you know the general population. It's just the nature of the people that that work in this industry. They're more introverted. They're more you know. Um, so the the function of the recruiter as somebody who can increase their uh, their daily rate, I think should not be neglected so um so people who are listening now and thinking man uh errol is really selling us out no i'm, I'm not this is really I, I i really am sincere about the things i'm saying i see that the recruiter is is a function with its its benefits that's why it exists that's how the market well, works if if something doesn't have a benefit it doesn't exist that's the way the markets operate and you might feel like you know you're being cheated out of money, but I don't. I don't think that you go go and do it yourself. Nobody is telling you you have to work with the recruiter, okay? And I think if anything, exactly. because recruiters are driving the price up because they're better salespeople, they're actually driving the price up for you on the on the non-recruiter market as well. They're doing a much better job of representing us than maybe we do ourselves as as freelancers. Maybe. Um, but right, oh, is, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll I was. But there is a there is a big but, and the big but is. <laughs> Is that um, I think there is a big quality gap within the recruiters pool as well. So you you take the population mm-hmm. of recruiters. I think what ticks people off are not the the recruiters who are doing an honest work and you know like doing their due diligence, ju- doing their homework, but it's the type of people who will send you those emails with you that when you read them, you find it so funny. You forward to your to your colleagues. Uh, just off the top of my head, I, I got a, a mail one saying, you know, we're looking, we, we, we went through your profile and you're like the perfect candidate we're looking for because we're looking for somebody who does C, C++ or C Sharp. And, you know, for, for people, you know, who understand technology, well, that, that's like, that's funny. That's that's really funny because it, aside from the fact that they, are, they share the letter C, these are, you, you're not, it's not the same person you're looking for. It's not the same technology. <laughs> it's just throw a C-sharp developer into a C++ team and go, oh yeah, he does C++. It's C, you know? It's all the same thing. This shows how little effort these people are putting into into these things. And another symptom of these, um, uh, you know, um, scattershot approaches where people will just try it, you know, they'll they'll see what sticks. Another symptom of these is is these uh, mass mails that you get where they'll they'll say, uh, hey, um, Errol, uh, comma and then you know it's the mail it, it's it looks like they're addressing you personally um, but a friend of mine who mentioned today when we're when we're talking about this he said well what I did on LinkedIn was I add a little symbol after my yeah. name like an emoji after my name yeah. now when I get a mail or a, a message from a recruiter that says hi name plus emoji I know it's generated I don't even bother looking at it because these people are not worth my time because they're just doing the numbers game and I don't, I don't want to um, 
you know, waste my time on them because never had good luck with them because those are the people, like you say, who are trying to fit the squares into the round holes or, you know, um, the, the, the mm. round pegs into the square holes. The That, I think, uh, causes a lot of the issues in the relationship between recruiters and, and the uh, developers. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the, the crucial thing is, is, is finding, you know, a recruiter can give you so much insight, you know, and if, if, if throughout a long time, and if any decent recruiter is in one vertical area, say one, one specific area, can they'll happily give you, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes for your time for you just to take off them and find out things, you know, a lot of the time. I think it's about finding those, that quality. And you're right, there is probably too many agencies, too many agents probably doing it. And obviously within that, you're going to get a lot of the bad side of things um, within that. I mean, it's it's difficult to know, obviously, who to, who to use. But I mean, my advice would always be, obviously, to try and find a recruiter you like working with and, and try and stick with them for for life you know in the UK because it's been around a lot longer I think a lot there, there is a culture where a lot of there's a lot of IT developers have been in the UK for 30 years and they've used the same recruiter for that whole time and on contracts um, because they've, they've built a relationship they know them they trust them um, and the other thing is as well when you give a bit of trust to a recruiter who's who's any good at his job when he gets a bit of buy-in from you he will then go out of his way to work till 8pm 9pm at night making sure he finds that role that, that will you know, make you happier with, or make your wife happier that you've told him on the phone, or make your kids happier because they get more time with you, or you know, he will probably go that extra mile when he he feels that commitment. I think recruiters as well. If you, if from a recruitment perspective, you, if you sense from a developer that they have animosity towards a recruiter from the outset and they're a bit standoffish, etc. Obviously, it's your job to try and coax them out of that. But if you feel like you can't, your commitment to them and working with their profile is going to be quite minimal, right? You're not going to spend your whole week trying to find them a new job if you think they're going to turn around and just go, hang on, I don't want to work with you, you're a recruiter. No, thank you. So I think it's sort of a vicious circle as well. You know, when, when recruiters are, use the bad habits, I think it encourages the uh, developers, mm -hmm, etc. Mm -hmm. to... It's like a ne negative feedback loop, you're right. But is this like a typical Belgian yeah. thing? or um, Because uh, we, we did a little poll, actually, among developers. We didn't have too many respondents. but So we had five options. We said recruiters are... A, a blessing, B, good, C, not something I really care about or occupy myself with, D, a necessary evil, or E, plain bad. Okay, so there's like five <laughs> gradients. So I didn't vote, Matt didn't vote, but of all the respondents, um, the, the most positive response was C, not something I care about. Nobody, <laughs> nobody said recruiters are a blessing or recruiters are good. Yeah. Uh, the the most voted, the most commonly voted answer was just plain bad. Okay. Wow. So uh, is this bell? Yeah. Is this bell? No, go ahead. Med, what do you go ahead? Med. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I would give my vote. You know, it's like you know, I'd be in the positive right, and it'd be probably a solid five. Uh, but my view before you, you transition from that point, right? So yeah, I do I do get those um, unpersonal emails right or or or, or um, um um like messages let's say um that sometimes even not even the name huh? you just find a screen 
mm. squiggly line, you know, open phrase, first mm. name, close Dear phrase. first name. <laughs> exactly. Dear yeah. first name. How those, are you? You know, <laughs> so how do I, how do I act on those? You know, I'll, I'll tell you how, how I act on those. You know, I, I go back and I, I, I ask to connect with the person, you know, there's nothing to lose to connect. There's, I have nothing to lose, you know, and if they want to speak, I do not mind, you know, if, if, if it looks like something interesting, I do not mind providing that three minutes of my time because out of this, it's almost like looking for, you know, like looking for gold, right? It's not like you go and you just, you know where to look for and you dig and you find this huge, you know, five kilo, you know, uh, rock and you just, okay, that's your gold. No, you have to look really hard. You find small pieces here and there until you end up with, with, with a fortune, right? So this is the same way. So to me, um, even the, the 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 unpersonal ones, even the unprofessional ones, even the uh, uh, unexperienced ones, sure, jump in into my my uh, my network. I do not mind. You know, you do not know where the value would be. Um, so that's that's my take on it. I think uh, because if I take any other approach, I might get rid of something that has value that I might need in the future. Hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, and as well, you could argue with that, you know, that maybe yeah, sometimes there is a bit of human error. Maybe someone, like you say, with most people in recruitment, it might be, you know, quite early on in their career and, you know, come four or five years later, they might be very successful in their niche or whatever. And you don't want to burn, uh, you know, uh, bridges. So I, I completely get that. But I do think a bit more due diligence probably needs to be done in terms of what companies are putting out as a brand even because you guys might start sort of blacklisting certain brands because you're getting these from one recruitment consultant who's you know making the same mistake over and over um i just want to jump back to to, to your poll Errol, if possible mm-hmm. um you know you mentioned there that sort of the, the, the attitude was 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 quite negative really, neutral at best compared... <laughs> neutral at best and yeah, exactly. commonly everybody exactly. voted for the worst possible option and, and one thing you mentioned there as well is is whether I mean I'm right in thinking you were alluding to that being a Belgian. Yeah, is this is this a Belgian or, thing? And I I honestly I mean I don't uh, I'm very cautious of the, the the people I'm speaking to here, but um, I think um, look I, I do think that the Belgian mass students and, and in, in general are more negative than in uh, the UK, the US. I think the uh, the uh, the UK's a bit different, I think, on the the, the client side. I think they're, they're they can be quite hostile because it is so flooded. I think on the um, candidate side, they're still actually quite happy to speak to recruiters and they see the value of them a bit more than potentially in Belgium. I think in the US, they see you know it's 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 it's, it's a breeze. They've never had any candidate come back sort of negative from the outset. They're always happy to talk, always happy to say, "Hey, I'm not available, but this guy is. Give me recommendations." They're happy to. Um, uh, help in any way possible really i think if you did that poll in the us it would be you know four or five i think in terms of positive i think in belgium i think maybe the issue lies in because i think because potentially the talent in belgium the it talent is so uh the the market is so candidate short you know it's really really driven by by scarcity of, of resources then you've wow. got this tiny pool who are in demand who are getting bombarded um, you know, by 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 all these different avenues of people thinking, hey, if I can work with this guy, 
you know, I can, I can, I can make some money. And I think that's where the issue lies. I think, I think it's, 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 it's more on that side. Whereas in, in, in other, other markets, you have a much wider spread of talent. I think, I think that's, in my opinion, what would you, would you say, you know, are you trying to say that the, that the developers in the Belgian market might be a little bit spoiled because they have so many opportunities that is that you know that's one one thing I think about when people complain about recruiters. You see, like you're in the office, oh, got a call from a recruiter. Are people just humble bragging? It's like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, you know, these guys they keep calling me. Like you know, I tell them stop calling me, but oh, I'm so wanted. My profile is, is this, did that build up from yeah. there? Maybe I don't know. Is it because we're we have a too, so. too too good that. <laughs> Uh, in a different um, economy, we'd actually be chasing the recruiters. We're like, "Hey, Greg, can, you know, can you please get me a job? You know, gonna lose my house, gonna lose yeah. my uh, my car, gonna lose my family. Yeah, it would be a different dynamic, right? And you're you're yeah. this is a this is a seller's market for the for the yeah. candidate. Yeah, and you see it, and you see it, and you see it with 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 with, with posts on LinkedIn, and then sometimes potentially even with like the coronavirus situation some contractors who you know were actually openly reaching out to recruiters that i remember speaking to in the past who were very, very dismissive which is fair enough they're following the sort of the market but you know ah uh, because if, well i'm if, sorry if, jess if, i just want to um emphasize that a little bit more so during the corona the economy um you know the, i don't know if it's correct for recess a little but things slowed down the, the number mm -hmm. of uh, mails you got from recruiters also uh, slightly dipped for a while especially at the beginning so you're saying around that time, um, people who used to be dismissive were suddenly maybe less so and more like, "Hey, Greg, uh, what's up, buddy?" Can, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Not 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 potentially to that quite extreme, but I think it was it was it was. The, I did see a, a bit of that sort of side of things, and and it is inherent of the market. So we can't be. I can't be too judgmental from the outside looking, but you could look at it another way and. It's, it's all about how you perceive things. You could be thinking, okay, this is a boom time for IT software developers in Belgium. How am I going to maximize how much, in, in pure terms, money I make for the next sort of three, four years? You know, I, you're going to, you're probably going to need a good recruiter to do that, in my opinion, unless you're going to dedicate a lot of your weekends to sort of doing your own sort of business development side of things. And I think even in good times, it's, it's probably more important than ever to have a good recruiter to make sure you're not missing out on the market, you know? I mean, you, you can use a recruiter to say, okay, you placed me here, Greg, 10 months ago, but, you know, what's the market like now? What are the salaries like now? You know, what people have been paid? What freedoms are people having in terms of remote work? What benefits are people getting? And a recruiter can tell you that because they're speaking to people day in, day out in the market. Um, and you can see where your opportunity cost is, you know, if you're in, in a position and what you're missing out on sometimes. So it's not, I, I don't think a recruiter's value is, is is limited to either a candidate rich or a candidate short market you know it's it's you want to capitalize on both instances really if, from a candidate's perspective mm -hmm. so could you elaborate more what uh you know what are the uh, the different functions that the recruiter then does that adds value in, in the global sense of the word for the uh both the recruiter and the client i mean i'm sorry for, yeah, for both the client and the uh the candidate not the recruiter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th I, first thing to, to say as well is, obviously, I, I mentioned the size of the industry and how much money it makes. And I think one thing to stress as well on this on this, on this is that's not made from um, quick wins or, or short-term bits of, of business. That's made from having happy contractors 
who work through recruitment agencies, having happy clients who, who use recruitment agencies, and from having you know repeat business with both clients and candidates. So just wanted to, to obviously make that clear as well. You know, it's not it's not all just making a quick book. It's it's, it's establishing long term relationships that means it's such a, a lucrative business to be in. Um, yeah, I think from in terms of in terms of the um, the the added value, I think. I mean, a lot of a lot of developers won't be aware of, for instance, the amount of money that um, recruitment agencies, well, the good ones anyway, spend on on recruitment tech, which is is ironic, really, because some of the you know it's 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 quite actually quite interesting the amount of work that goes into things um, that we spend you know thousands and and millions on sometimes in terms of how we identify which companies are are growing, which companies are hiring, you know, and and, and in what locations and that sort of thing. Um, so there's a hell of a lot of background work in, in that respect that goes into us targeting our business development properly um, to make sure that you know we're not just bringing you the same jobs you've seen on the job boards or by doing a Google search of what jobs are going on. Um, I think that's one thing to, to stress the, the 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 amount of money we have those costs to, to pay no matter what as well um, for, for for those sorts of licenses that honestly can can cost a, a hell of a lot of money. Um, I mean, I think that, 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 like I say, the obvious, obvious benefit being really that we're we're doing this every minute of you know I, I used to work sort of well still do sort of twelve hour hour days and I'm sure a lot of people do that sort of length of time as well but that is purely sort of in one skill set speaking to either candidates or clients or doing research into that market. Um, I mean, there's no one that can perform that sort of work you know to, to, to doing that okay, sort of things yeah. um, I get, great I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose the question a different way because I I really liked the, uh, the part where you talked about asymmetric information where you said you know the the client doesn't know which candidates are out there and the candidate doesn't know which opportunities are out there and there's because this yeah. information is not being aggregated properly in a in a way uh, and this is where we put put the puzzles together so I'm gonna uh, ask you a different question imagine Belgium because you know Belgium well, like the the, the market. Mm. Imagine Belgium without recruiters. What would be different? Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I think a lot of people, number one, I think a lot of people will be doing technologies they don't necessarily like working with. I think people will be stuck in working with whatever's been local. I think you'd be working, you know, potentially with a big software house that's local to you. Um, I think the startup scene would be, a hell of a lot worse in the scale-up scene because these guys, how can, how can a team of maybe you know five to ten employees at the beginning, how can they attract you know a, a good amount of talent in a, such a candidate short market? How can they take away from the big banks who are hiring the top tech ta- tech talent and have big recruiting teams? How can they then attract you know the, the developers? I think you'd have a. Um, the rates will be lower for sure. I think people would not know the sort of the the, the value. Um, I think things like recruit uh, remote working would be almost non-existent because I think things would just sort of stay the same because a lot of the time it's recruiters who've sold that solution to clients and once a client actually opens up and sees that it's working okay, they use it more and more. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that that, that like I say in in that are just causing these these, these longer term issues. I, I still speak to people, you know, one thing I want to stress as well is that I think candidates should not necessarily only speak to recruiters when they are actively looking for a new mm-hmm. role. I think that most of the benefits can actually come from when you're passively on the market, 
where you're quite happy, but you want to find out what's going on. You know on what the, you want to know there. what the temperature is like in the water before you, uh, you know. Yeah, and, and 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 in that situation, if you have a good relationship with a recruiter, this is that this is how I think it's best to use a recruit a recruitment consultant, right? I think it's best to to to, to find someone in your market. So, say I'm a, an iOS developer in Belgium. I, I would Google iOS development recruiter or iOS developer recruiter on or, or, or you'll go on LinkedIn and try and find a guy, okay? Connect with a couple of them, have a couple of conversations, maybe see who you click with, because there's probably two or three guys who are doing that. Um, now have a conversation with them, try and click with them and just say, look, I'm coming, I'm thinking of moving jobs in around sort of six to 12 months. Um, this is what I'd like, you know, my wife works here, um, my kids go to school here, I need to be home at this time, I like to work with this technology, I, you know, this is what I see as a good role and I like this industry. That gives a recruiter all that time to sort of plan ahead and, 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 and maybe bring you an opportunity maybe once every six weeks and see if it sort of takes your interest. Because a good agent will do that. If they have the commitment from you, they will do that because they know at the end of it, you're going to take the role if it's right for you. You're giving them your budget. You're giving them, you know, what sort of money you want. You're giving them a sort of reasonable time frame. And, and, and if you put all those things on a plate for them, you know, why, why wouldn't they take it? And I think that's that's probably the best way, but you get none of that really in Belgium, I don't think. I think people just pick up a recruiter when they want a new job or contract, and then they, they drop off again. Um, so there's not too much sort of long-term um, relationships being built in, in my book. Okay, I think this is uh, a very valuable tip. So um, to everybody listening and um, who would have voted negative on this scale, um, you know, Please don't hate me, but uh, I think Greg has a very, very good point here. Maybe what you need to do is uh, build a um, professional working long-term relationship with a recruiter that you get along with and um, see how that works out for you. Because it seems like everybody's really getting tired of these uh, blanket mills, although Med um, also detailed a different type of strategy with those mills. He said, why, why would you, you know, he says, he sees them as opportunities, which I also think is correct, Matt. Like, grow your network. Like, don't... Uh, you, the, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is just, you know, you, you can just ignore them. Ignore the mails and delete them. Um, but the frustration, you know, is there. Uh, maybe... Uh, yeah, go can, ahead, can Matt. I, can, sorry to interrupt. Uh, so, it, it from the last point that um, uh, Greg mentioned, um, so it, it almost sounds like um, what's missing on LinkedIn is um, a little status similar to uh, Facebook's, um, you know, married or... Oh, but LinkedIn has that status. LinkedIn has the the, uh, mm. the looking for a job, like open well, for... Well, not uh, that specifically, yeah. but like, it's one that says I'm taken, you know? <laughs> I have my agent, that's it. Um, oh. you know, <laughs> don't bother me, in a, in, you know? It's like... In a relationship with a Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm looking. That's different than looking, but you know what? I am engaged, you know? You know, I'm not... Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it just um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's look. It I think I think it's it's obvious that the recorder does add the value of making that link between two sides. Now, what happens is a lot of people that would complain would feel that that recorder is leaning toward the other side, not to them. Now, if that if they have the feeling they're leaning to them towards their side, they they would be the one even paying that fee for uh, for their work. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know. Um, I mean, when, when Tom Cruise uh, <laughs> deals with his agents, I think Tom Cruise is the one that pays, right? The agent, not not the the, the producer of the film that's going to pay his agents, right? So uh, it's, it's again, um, 
who's who's working for who kind of like who's benefiting who um it's still it's still like you know it's 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 someone that's in the middle for sure because you you do talk to um you know uh, uh companies and you do talk to um developers or, or um Mm-hmm. Uh, service providers let's put it this way and um and it's it's being able to make that good that's good balance where you bring value for both um although it seems like yeah in this case uh how the market is made is uh, the the um um yeah it's it's again um we, we spoke about the the the, the pay and what, how does it come and, and is it does it go for too long and, and is it is it is it uh, justified? But it still remains a pay that has to be done because there is value being provided, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 yeah, I think it's it, it is one of those things. Make your recruiter work for you. You know, it's it's if 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 they are going to be taking a margin then 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 make sure that they're they're doing their work and and get that sort of commitment from them as well and like you say once once you're at that point with someone you trust and someone who you know is going to bring you the right opportunities at the right time um and at the right level you can relax and turn your linkedin off and not use it you know you can you can ask to be unsubscribed from the mailing lists and everything like that yeah you might miss out on the odd opportunity that's with you know someone who's a sole provider to a big bank or whatever but you know are you really that bothered in the long in the grand scheme of things you know, you can always go and apply to that sort of thing um, in your own time. But I think there's so much value to be drawn from from just understanding that an agent can go out there and literally work for you for three months at a time, finding you your ideal next role based on what you've told him. And you won't pay a penny for that service. Oh, once you sign the contract, you will. But at the end of the day, you're getting the same fee or same daily rate you would have asked for in the interview on your own anyway. Exactly. But... There's just there's all these there's all these managers and, and CTOs in, in in Belgium who they need guys who are a, a senior level with X Y and Z skills and you know I'll have conversations but with them or I used Greg, to when, when say, I hear you talk like this you know the the thing that keeps crossing my mind is why isn't there like a job board that does this why is it so difficult to do this in a in a job board you could have like jobs dot whatever. And then uh, the CTOs or whoever is doing the hiring, they could post their open. And these and these websites exist, but why is there still a need for recruiters? I can answer that. Yeah, this is what I was just about to say. Then really was just that you know there's 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 I reckon about ninety five percent of the the actual well I wouldn't say that high to be fair. A, a, a lot of the the opportunities in, in in Belgium in a candidate short market they're not active vacancies. They're not roles that are on. LinkedIn and advertised by a company on their job site on anywhere. They're managers who are who are leading a team and 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 CTO, particularly in the contract world, who say to to to, to recruit when they call them, look, if you ever get a guy who's pretty local, who does X, Y, and Z and has done so at a professional level for two or three years, you need to give me a call or send me the C V straight mm-hmm. away because I will take them any day, any any time of the year. Now only a recruiter knows that. Only recruiter has said to them, "Okay, so what if I put this on your on your desk?" And the, and the manager goes, "Okay, I'd interview them anytime." No one's doing that, you know. He, and he's got the power as a CTO or a hiring manager to click the button, make a budget out of somewhere, and get someone on board. You must like you guys probably have run into that in, in in roles before, where you see there's not an active vacancy, but hey, if some guy came up who was you know a local mm-hmm. candidate and he had the certain skills, you would take them on on the spot. Um, and and that's a lot of the 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 work that's done and, and sometimes you know managers they don't even 
foresee what they're looking for or, or, or you know they need to be sort of sometimes shown sometimes what they could what they could get for their money or what they can what is out there in the market because there's just so much misinformation and is it an instance uh, is it an not- instance of the of the salesperson knowing better what the customer wants than the customer or you know what they need you're like you're you're or maybe like a waiter at the table and you see their their drink is about to finish and you're like you know do you want something else and that's like that's good service you know and they're they're more likely to buy a, a second serving of the drink because you're giving them a good service uh, but of course, you know, I, I don't want to draw the analogies out too much, but this is um, this is a very good point. So the point you're making is saying there's a lot of jobs that are under the surface because they're not being exposed as explicit, like as, as open positions, but they're there. Yeah. And the only way to know this is by uh, being in communication with these people, knowing what they're looking for. And then when you have the right candidate, go like, okay, what about this one? You know, you slide the CV over. Uh, okay, yeah. so that's the shuffle that's happening. And- and 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 I think I think as well, like you say, it, not that the salesperson necessarily knows what they need, but the salesperson can educate a manager. A manager in in uh, who hires mobile developers does not necessarily know about the hiring market for mobile developers in Belgium. They they know they've got a team of a few of them, but they know that they might need one in future. But if you can sort of educate them as well from a recruitment perspective and say, hey, look, you want a, a mobile developer with four years experience? That's all you ever hire. There's only about four of them in, 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 in Antwerp and one of them's coming on the market next month. Do you want to see a CV or not? You know, that, that sort of uh, uh, information is, is, is what's missing a lot of the time from mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and awareness and edu- edu- you've got to educate your clients sometimes in that respect to the, to the market, um, I think. Okay. Um, I have a, um, I have a, I want to rant. I want to have a question actually, but this is a different, a bit, it's shift a bit, uh, the, uh, it's shifting gears in a sense. So my rant is this. Um, this is something that I kind of hate. Um, not hate, but okay. I dislike, I'd say, link, I'd say LinkedIn for, for it. And uh, there was this um, ex- you know, browser extension back in the day that did a good job on when you go to a somebody's uh, profile, whether on one of these social uh, media uh, sites, uh, it would kind of give you their other information from other places so kind of aggregate everything to one place and right there it's in front of you and i forgot the name of the extension probably something like stalker.io yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was something that was it was decent it was kind of professional yeah. it, it, it did a good job you know and all public information nothing more now linkedin comes comes linkedin buys the extension kind of kills it right kills it I'm sure you used used it you know used the technology or simply didn't like it or whatever the case might be you know i think that's yeah that's a bit <laughs> i hate it when when something that's that's interesting useful um is simply um uh is the victim of of um, certain uh, uh unfair <laughs> practices uh, business practices but anyway that's my rant my question is this in in the recruitment business and we hear like now we hear like the, the huge you know the, the the buzzwords in technology right we hear about um, artificial intelligence we hear about we hear about um, blockchain we hear about uh, uh, all sort of things right I mean you know I think we all get bombarded with this um, what's happening what would is there anything that you can think of or without giving away the idea of the of the century right is there anything that would you know revolutionize this industry if you say well if if you know we would we would be great if we have this tool that would do this 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 and that and then it would make you know 
I mean, I, I again, I, I don't know. Matt, are you trying to automate the recruiter? <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily, but you know, I mean, this is just to think a it bit. Is... To how can we can technology help in this? Because it's it's still a, um, um, it's more like this is a, a soft skill type of deal, right? Where you have to have that human contact mm. to do this, but could anything like. So, like, is like, there is there room for innovation? Yeah, in the tools exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. There's there's a few like bits of technology that I already use that are like um, uh, for 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 pulling job ads in. You know, I could search like Antwerp. I could put in a certain number of skills. I could put in like iOS Objective C Swift, and it would bring up every ad place in that sort of vicinity of ten miles over the last sort of three years if I wanted to. So I could find out all the companies who work with this software. Now, stuff like that is invaluable, as you can imagine, like, you know, in terms of the, the me finding out where my, 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 my business development should be focused. Um, I think, obviously, LinkedIn has done great work in terms of giving more and more insight. But I, I do think about this, and I know that in Belgium, there's more and more portals being used for recruitment, even in the contracting world, where you would, um, you know, apply via a portal and put in your rate, etc. cetera. Um, but I, I really can't. I mean, I would say this because I'm a recruiter, but I, I can't see that that would add much value. I can't see that that would create the, you know, I reckon, I think about probably half of the contract positions I filled or more when I was working in Belgium were initially perm position, permanent positions on a salary basis, right? So I had to then approach the managers and say, you've had a job advert for two years. How many applications have you had? Five. How many interviews have you done? Two. How many of them were any good? Zero. Okay, Mr. Manager, are you prepared to wait another two more years before you get someone in that seat and doing that role within your team? Yes or no? Usually the answer is no. Okay, well, by the way, I do have a contract guy who's about 10, 10 miles down the road who's done exactly what you want to be done at another rival bank and he's available starting beginning of next month. Do you want to have an interview with him? Yes. Okay. And that's how things. That's that's how it's done. That There's no computer that's going to do that for him in a manager's mind, make them run through the actual situation and think, you know what, it's probably worth spending a little bit more money on a contract who can start next month than the cost of waiting two more years to fill that position. But uh, 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 Greg, you know, you know when, I, when I hear you explain this, I, I get this vision of, you know, the New York Stock Exchange guys back in the 80s. You know, they're on the phone, you know, it's like, buy, sell, no, you know, they're connecting, they're <laughs> connecting people. So in a way, you're a facilitator in the marketplace. You're connecting the buyer and the seller uh, at the rate where they can meet each other, right? Um, yeah. But um, those things have been automated, you know, you have automated exchanges. Um, yeah. Of course, what you would be missing, and I think both of you are right, okay? So I think Med is right. We can automate the, the market for, you know, the, the buyer recruiter thing. Um, I mean, the, the, the recruiter candidate thing. But you would be cutting out the the human side of it. So um, one of the best things about having a good recruiter um, working with you, uh, Greg, like you said, is the fact that they know you and they can come up with these tailored solutions for you or, or they'll think about things that you don't think about. They'll be working for you while you're not working. Right, an automated system might mimic that to a certain extent, but they're never going to be as you know tailored as as a human with current a technology. Mm. Um, th that that's my take on it. So I think yes, you could automate it, but it it's not mutually exclusive because despite the fact that you have um, you know anybody can go onto an exchange and you know trade things, you still have there's still room for brokers, 
who, who or investment firms, you know, to, to stay in the analogy that know the, the customer, they, they know what this customer is looking for, what, what their profile is, you know, where they should be putting their uh, money, where not. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> well, it's an analogy. They never always, <laughs> they don't always work. <laughs> okay, I have, uh, I have to say one more thing though. So we talked about you, Greg, as, as an example of what I personally think is a is a good recruiter because you and I, we, we had uh, dealings with one another um, over the years. So definitely when people have a, a negative impression of recruiters, they're not thinking about you, okay? So, but you know other recruiters, right? Um, I would imagine you have a net, you, know, you have a network of people you know you you talk amongst uh, each other as well. So these people who seem to be playing games, um, you know the number game, they'll they'll spam people, they'll uh, they'll chase them, they'll they'll be relentless. Are they successful? And I you know it could be that they're successful because it's simply a numbers game, or are these the type of people that um, disappear after a short while because it can't be can it because if it doesn't work these uh these type of irritating mechanisms or, or systems wouldn't be used at all hmm. i think you know yeah I, I i think sometimes that that side of things does work i think in terms of you know uh, bordering harassment sometimes in terms of um you know getting in contact with people and like you say, blanket emails, etc. For a short period of time, I think it will work. It's when you come to think about your three and five years sort of where you want to be, you know, in terms of the clients you want to work with, the candidates you want to have worked with, and the longevity, you know, and people contracting through you for long periods of time. I do think that you know those sorts of practices will will burn those bridges in the longer run. I think. Any any recruiter I know who's been in the business more than like three years knows how developers want to be contacted and learns that. I think all this, a lot of this negativity is to do with the high attrition levels I mentioned with new people coming in constantly and finding um, you know pure desperation, etc., to make things work. I think anyone who's been in the business more than three years knows it's not a good idea to burn any bridges, you know, not to annoy one candidate because they'll never use you again or use your brand again. I think... I think it's it's in the longer term it, it's just it's just bound for failure because you can't keep there's only a finite number of companies in Belgium who hire within you know a skill set there's only there's a finite number of candidates as well you you don't really want to be burning bridges with any of them because it will come to to bite you again in the future and I, that's mm -hmm. what I see with the sort of the people who repeatedly do this um, they might change markets slightly to, to or, or they might change things but at the end of the day they're going to do the same thing again and it's going to annoy more people and they're going to find the longer term relationships do not last okay um, well uh, okay so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna address this as a different question then um, are there commonplace practices within your industry which you think should change because they're not fair or that you don't agree with are there any things with the, you know um okay i'll stick with those descriptions like unfair or maybe not unethical yeah. but 
do you ever do you agree with everything that happens would there would there be things that you think should change from a moral perspective or a business perspective of course i'm more interested in the moral perspective because one of the things that people uh say about recruiters is you know in in the when i went out and, and talked to people so they're, they're talking about insincerity a lot and so they 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 think you know they're they're making money off or back they're being insincere are there cases of this or is this are these just preconceptions that are unfounded <clears throat> okay um that is a, diff a difficult question to answer really i mean from my standpoint in terms of ethics i wouldn't i wouldn't say that there's many things that i've i, I found particularly un un unethical um in 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 my experience i mean I, the companies i worked for were were, were sort of fast track um you know 100 companies who were, were well known and well accredited i think um but i think i think you are going to get the issue like i said i alluded to the beginning of the call most people in recruitment like any sales profession they are money motivated now it's whether or not you see for, for myself and for, for for anyone who knows the industry knows that you need long-term relationships you need to um not be greedy at any point because it will long-term bite you financially as well as a sort of um, from a moral perspective um but i think you know i think i think pretty much all the tactics um and like i say and, and, and ways of doing things in recruitment are are sales tactics that are they get deal they get deals done um i think you know it's to, to put to put it to put it in a, in a in a nice way i don't think that I think there certainly are agencies that do unethical things. I'm not going to, mm -hmm. you know, and I know that for a fact, and and I see that. But I think if you're, do you um, have some examples of what you personally like? You don't need to be specific, but uh, do you have like examples of what you would consider unethical? Um, yeah, for, well, for instance, for for companies to share resumes without, you know, with a company without the person's consent, uh, you know, a, a company's consent, that's a pretty big one against GDPR regulations and everything like that. You know, all my companies we were trained quite extensively on GDPR and that sort of thing, so it was never something that could even come into it. But I know companies have done it because I've had managers say, you know, I've, you know, it, it, so they'd be pitching, they'd be pitching sure. the candidate to a client without the candidate knowing they're being pitched, or the candidate doesn't even know yeah. that they have that they're pitched. Like the the candidate is a is a customer of of this uh, brand or this agency, and they're being pitched without their knowledge, or they just pick the profile. Well, they may have yeah, they may have gathered the profile from like a LinkedIn page or something. And they haven't even talked to this. They haven't even talked to this. <laughs> and they might not have even talked to the guy. That's, that's brilliant. So, that's brilliant. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of that joke. You know that joke where they say, uh, the, this person, he, he walks up to Bill Gates. He's like, uh, I, I need you. Uh, I need my son to marry your daughter. And he says, why? He says, my, my son is the, um, uh, the CEO of the World Bank or something. And he said, okay, well, that's good. And then he goes to the World Bank. He says, my, my son should be CEO. He said, why? Because he's the uh, the, the son-in-law of, of Bill Gates. Bill Gates. It's yeah, that type yeah. of situation then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is because then they've got to desperate. If, if the manager goes, yeah, we're interested, then they're going to have to ring this guy constantly to try and get hold of him and, and then pitch him the role and sell him the role. And it's just, yeah, it's not a way to do, to, to do business. Th things like that are obviously 
and well they're pretty much illegal now mm-hmm. <laughs> not only unethical um so that's a big a big a big uh, a big no i would say probably to most people try and keep your resume you know to yourself unless you give permission to share it and and that sort of thing and always ask for, for, for who it's going to and to ask for written permission every time it's sent out but i think most people do that anyway um practices like that are obviously are, are pretty bad i mean from 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 my perspective, I I don't think those agencies last very long anyway. You mm-hmm. might have a, a bad experience, but if they're operating like that, you know they're going to come unstuck pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that will be that really. Um, yeah, I do think reputation yeah. is something in this in this like in the recruitment. Yeah. Oh, I think I think it's everything. I think you know all of my best clients have come from uh, a client referring me to someone else, or my best candidates likewise. Um, you know, from referrals, so people saying, "Oh, you know, you need to know this developer; he's really good." Or, and that's 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 pretty much word of mouth is still. This is even in the twenty first, twenty twenty one. You know, that's not going to be automated. That personal, he's good. You know, I can vouch for him; he's good. Or, or use this recruiter; he's good. Um, still goes a hell of a long way. Um, Another question: If yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, if you don't mind, this is more like practical. Um, so if, uh, let's suppose you have let's suppose you have a business and the business grows. At what point mm-hmm. a company could decide? Well, instead of working with with uh, with recruiters, we would have internal like hire a recruiter internally in our HR team. Probably uh, is that something that is that is that first a healthy decision or one and two? Like at what point you decide that, or is it just like a, a numbers game? You say, well, it costs me this much if someone is. Uh, you know, internal to me, it would cost me less. How does that go? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've placed people. My, my my clients were from anywhere between you know five employees to to hundred thousand employees. Um, so obviously, the one with hundred thousand employees has a big HR function, a big recruiting function internally. Um, the asymmetries and 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 the 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 the, the, the lack of uh, awareness of, of of candidates is 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 present for, throughout for any company. It's a problem for any company. So I would never shy away from the fact, even if you even if you have a recruiting um, uh, uh, internal for, for for say a company of a hundred employees, they might have ten positions or fifteen positions at once across operations, you know, finance, accounting, um, technical. You know, if there's if there's around sort of twenty developers in one skill set in Belgium, how on earth are they going to be able to find the guy at the right time when he's available? It's it, it's a full time job keeping a track of who's available when, who's who's not. Um, you know, who can I find new in this in this market? That's how that's how that's how how scarce sort of resources are in Belgium. It's it will be impossible for one person to do that. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from internal recruit, recruiters. They do a, they do a good job, but those particularly in IT. You need a specialist. You need someone who's doing that market day in, day out, all year round, to, to, to fill these roles in any reasonable time frame. That's my opinion, of course, but that's just my experience as well. Um, so you know, I, I often yeah, I, I wanted to met. I'm sorry if I'm hijacking your question here, but met several met <laughs> Craig several times uh, mentioned the scarcity of uh, of the uh, of uh, talent in the market in Belgium. Um, you, you keep saying this. Can you elaborate a bit more on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether it's um, inherent of... Why the, do you think 
is there such a, a, a skew towards the um, you know, why is there such a large demand and, and uh, nobody to meet it or you know is, is it just a communication problem like you say the asymmetry are the people there but you, you don't know how to connect them or there's no. just that the people aren't there but there's a huge demand I still think I still think for any sort of mid to senior level position in IT in software development for instance I would say there's probably 15 or 20 suitors for every candidate um, honestly I mean, so why don't they fill them up with uh, remote workers? It's a cultural thing. This, this is it. I think, <laughs> I think it's because Belgium. I think Belgium is really resistant to it, and I think they're also. I tell you what, a problem I, I ran into a lot in in Belgium is finding people who were um, like uh, Flemish speakers or or or, or 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 French speakers. You know, you're really limiting your, who you can hire there. I mean, for instance, in the UK, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, migration and immigration and it's meant that there is a, a, a lot more um, open-mindedness with that but I think Belgium is still a bit um, uh, old-fashioned in its ways of, 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 of um, yeah of, of how they how they hire honestly that's that's my assessment uh, okay um, well uh, Med, do you have any uh, other questions for Greg because we've we have uh, gone wow. over our time box by uh, at least 15 minutes now um, because they, they, <laughs> like I think we have all, so many questions but uh, I know, think we got a lot of answers uh, yeah I think a lot of things are clarified um, yeah uh, yeah it's uh, I think people are not gonna be it's not like we're gonna you're gonna convince everybody uh, if someone builds up some opinion it's probably still remain but for um, for others, they might see things differently now. I, in my opinion, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Too bad you've changed your market from uh, the Benelux to the United States, or else I would have told our listeners that if you think recruiters uh, don't add value, why don't you get in touch with Greg? But they should still get in touch with you, Greg. Uh, I think they still yeah. get in touch with me, and I can I can point I can point them in the right direction as well because I've. Um, I've got good colleagues who are <laughs> who cover the same. So, thing. if they so were to want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to reach out? Um, just on LinkedIn. Um, just just pop me a message there, or and I've got my emails on there as well, on my page. Okay. Um, but I'll um, tag. So that's Greg Medland we'll on LinkedIn. Uh, your name will be uh, in the title of the episode, and I'll put your uh, a link to your profile in the uh, show notes, um, so people cool. can find you there. Med. How can people find you? Uh, probably go to the site, madmed.com, and um, that's it. M-A-D-M-A-D.com. And M-A-D, I'm Errol, M-A-D. you, can, yeah, you can find me on baikal.be, B-A-Y-K-L.be. Greg, thanks again. It was- Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, Greg. That was really interesting. So and, much uh, information, yeah. yeah very yeah. interesting. Insightful, too. Yeah.